0: Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Friday, June 2nd. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. A parliamentary committee hears more about the lapses in communication that prevented MPs from finding out they were being targeted by China. It seems to me inconceivable that we have three, at least three sitting members of parliament that were targeted by Beijing, including By an accredited diplomat, and that you didn't know, and the prime minister didn't know. And what's the status of the multi-billion-dollar Stellantis deal?
1: Uh, I know it's been a little bit of a a roller coaster up and down, but I'm very confident with the the partnership, with the
0: the federal government, and us stepping up. uh, We're we're going to get this deal done, and uh, I'm I'm just very very confident. We're we're just uh, inches away from.
1: Uh, making this happen.
0: Joining us is Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for The Globe and Mail. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. So yesterday was a busy day on the security front and the Chinese interference front. Uh, Jody Thomas, the Prime Minister's National Security Advisor, was at the Procedure and House Affairs Committee and being asked questions about, uh, you know, basically, how does it all work when you get information about Chinese interference and other forms of threats, what happens to it? What did you learn?
1: Well, it's not very encouraging. What we learned, we have a uh, there was a very important July twenty twenty one, CISA uh, intelligence assessment. In in and in this document, they uh, mentioned that the MP uh, and his family had been threatened by uh, China or target of China, a- and uh, this. And although they never mentioned the the, the MP's name, it is uh, um, Michael Chong who was a Conservative foreign affairs critic at the time. This memo went to, according to Jody Thomas, it went to the then uh, National Security Advisor at the time, which was David Morrison. It went to her when she uh, because she was a Deputy Minister of National Defence, and it went to the Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs and the Deputy Minister uh, at Public Safety and. Uh, Apparently, nobody read the memo. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, uh, sh- Mr. Morrison has said that uh, he never read it. And Ms. Thomas said, well, she never read it because she was on leave. And when she came back, uh, the document had already been destroyed. And so she never read it. And I'm assuming that uh, the Deputy Minister, former the then Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs and the Deputy Minister of Public Safety also say that they never read it, which is... Um, Pretty shocking in it, if you think about it because here you have a memo from CSIS, our intelligence agency, saying that a member of parliament just before an election campaign was being targeted by uh, uh, China and apparently nobody's read it and nobody kicked it upstairs. Um, and then you also had uh, Bill Blair, who is the emergency preparedness minister now, but was then public safety minister. Uh, he says, uh, no, he never read it. Um, and uh, CSIS director mustn't thought it was necessary for him to know. And although nobody asked him, whether his deputy minister told him, but I'm assuming they didn't tell him either. So if you remember the Hogan's Heroes, there's a guy <laughs> named Sergeant Schultz, I know nothing. And this seems this seems to be the seems to be the government strategy. Nobody knows anything. A great line from Miss um, uh, Thomas saying. No one person is at fault for, uh, for the failure to breathe.
0: Yeah. So I guess you can't point fingers at anybody because it's like a keystone copse of information right. that's falling through the cracks all over the place. But if you're the MP being targeted, and of course, we know <clears throat> of uh, of two others as well, Jenny Kwan and Aaron O'Toole, if you're the MPs being targeted and you don't even know it because no one's told you because they don't know it, like is ignorance bliss or is that a problem?
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, the conservatives uh, and the, all the actual opposition parties have raised very good questions. Michael Cooper, the conservative MPs, uh, quite rightly points out, look, you get this is a pretty explosive memo. It is, it is given to them in July, uh, um, just before an election was called in August. And nobody thought that this should be somebody should be running to the prime minister's door or bills bills blair's door and pounding on it they say and i think there's with some right some logic to it 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 doesn't seem believable
0: well the prime minister has said and a lot of the information we heard at committee yesterday was familiar to us because we've been hearing about this uh, for weeks, but but uh, MPs are calling people back because MPs' rights are being uh, uh, breached by all this. So there's, you know, constant questions. But the Prime Minister a few weeks ago, after your story broke on May 1st about Michael Chong, he said, <clears throat> you know, from now on, I want to know all this. Uh, MPs need to know it. So is, is, and Jody Thomas said yesterday, you know, we have a new system now. Is that comforting?
1: Well, uh, yes, one would hope so, uh, that if nobody's reading intelligence memos that talk about the threatening of, uh, of MPs, uh, and they now say they're going to read those memos, I think that's actually a good sign. Um, she's saying now that this kind of intelligence will uh, be now looked at by a group of uh, deputy ministers, and they may provide advice uh, to the prime minister. And the, as you know, the pu- now public safety minister, Marco mendicino is also saying that Mm-hmm. uh if there are any intelligence about war uh that could affect any member of parliament then they um they will they need to be notified of it um but you know it's a it's a very strange thing that um presumably um there was a there's also a memo talking about Aaron O'Toole being uh the target and and, and Jenny Kwan being the target i mean i don't know that there must be um, it would be highly irresponsible not to let the government know that the conserv- then-Conservative Party leader,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, um, the oppos- official opposition leader, in advance of an election campaign has been a target of, of China. I, mm-hmm. I, if if that's if they did not let the government know, then surely the goodness, uh, David Binu, who is the CSIS uh, director, should be fired. <coughs>
0: Well, it makes you wonder, what are they looking at over there? But anyway, um, she said, Dave, uh, Jody Thomas, yesterday at this committee, you know, she said the info leaked to the media. I'm quoting her, was shocking and disturbing, and it shouldn't have happened this way. Well, why did it happen this way? I mean, you know the answer to that, Bob.
1: Well, I think what's happened is that you have a, a, a group of um, intelligent officers who have been working on um Chinese foreign interference for a considerable period of time, and they're sending the intelligence up, and nobody is doing anything with it. it the government and we're hearing seem that. To, it, we're hearing it, that
0: constantly, right? Like right, no one... and, the
1: go- and the government doesn't seem to care, and this is a very serious threat to the country. Um, I mean, Ceases has said in public reports that the greatest threat to national security is China. Um, but, you know, here they are, all these... Uh, officers collecting all kinds of intelligence and sending it upstairs and the political masters don't seem to care about it so i think that's why you know you're you're seeing uh these leaks that have happened uh of of, of intelligence documents
0: well you're in the best position to tell us do you expect more
1: i'll all i ever say on that subject is stay tuned julie
0: <laughs> well that's that's a good answer so uh, yeah no uh, because uh, let's face it we have three MPs now formally admitting in the House of Commons getting briefed by CSIS, saying you know we've been targeted so you know you wonder are there going to be more there's 338 MPs in the House of Commons right so
1: well I, I don't know whether there's any more um mm-hmm. we've been trying to find out if there is but I, this the pattern seems to be if there is a if a member is has uh, said they're has found out they've been targeted from Caesar, and they 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 pretty much let the media know right. right away, or and certainly make announcement in the House in the House right. of Commons. Right. But it's really it's really quite a serious issue, you know, that we have elected members of Parliament who happen by this point, by the way, all happen to be opposition members, and one was a the Conservative Party leader
0: mm-hmm.
1: who have been targeted by uh, China, and nobody thinks this was important enough to bring to the Prime Minister's attention. Yeah.
0: Makes you you wonder. It certainly makes you wonder. And on the bigger picture, Bob, this week, um, you know, that vote passed in the House of Commons Mm. on the NDP motion, which has all opposition parties basically saying to David Johnson, step aside and let's go to a public inquiry. He has answered. He deeply respects the House, but his mandate is from the government. Um, Where where does it go from here on that front?
1: well um unless uh we get more information that um that we're, that the the opposition parties will can can push on it looks like um the government is not going to change its mind is you know it and call a public inquiry you know we only have what i think 3 weeks left julie before That's the house it. of commons yeah. so there the government's just hoping that mm-hmm. you know they can pull through this for the through the summer, uh, through through to the House uh, adjourns for the summer and that everybody will forget about Chinese foreign interference. So and maybe they'll come back in the in the fall and pro parliament so that the, the committee hearings, you'll have to take a while, as you know, to start up again.
0: Well, I mean, this Leger poll that came out that said only 27 percent of Canadians, uh, you know, basically have faith in Mm -hmm. in uh, david johnson's credibility and impartiality uh that's a lot of baggage to carry with you if you're david johnson and you want to have more hearings into this and do you have the credibility to go forward
1: well he 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 doesn't have the credibility anymore um, because he's lost the the trust of the majority members of parliament and for a very simple reason he should never have taken this job in the first place he is a longtime family friend of the Trudos. He sat on the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation when he left as governor general in 2018. Uh, the woman he hired as his chief counsel, uh, a special uh, rapporteur, uh, has only made donations to the Liberal Party of Canada. If he was a judge in a case in which Mr. Trudeau was the defendant, he would have to step down. And, you know it's really quite a it's quite a remarkable that he's staying on and even even the groups the, the uh, Chinese Canadian groups and Uyghurs and Tibetans groups who um, will be asked to uh, testify before him his summer hearings are saying like we want a public inquiry we've said this countless times how China has been bullying harassing us before parliamentary committees and in published reports we don't really need to say this again we would like have a public inquiry to go into the in-depth of what is actually going on and how China is interfering with uh, our electoral process, who knew in government, what did they do about it, uh, and make some recommendations at the end of it. And, you know, the advantage of a judge, of course, is, Julie, they can subpoena witnesses. You have to swear an oath. It's like some of the stuff that, I mean, Mr. Johnson simply asked the prime minister, did you know about this? And he said, oh, no, I didn't know it. Oh, okay. You know, okay. No problem.
0: <laughs> that's good enough for me. But, right. uh, you know, the guy that could push it all into the next level is Jagmeet Singh, but practically speaking, you know, yeah. if that triggered an election, if, if Trudeau said, sorry, I'm not having a public inquiry and Jagmeet Singh said, okay, well, that's it. Then, then let's put it to another vote and you're you're out of here. Uh, then you're going into, I mean, is anyone going to go into the summer, uh, into an election? I mean, you know, the timing is all off, really.
1: Yeah, and I, I just don't think that uh, as important as it is, Chinese interference is not an issue, an right. election issue. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think any of the parties want an election. either the conservatives or the NDP want an, uh, an election out of this. Um, but I think he could still send a message by saying that we're going to withdraw our support uh, without having to trigger an election. I mean, it, it it would just return to the good old days of minority government as you have to cut deals, right? You have to
0: cut deals. Exactly. So, um, but, but, you know, as uh, we will be heading into the, this summer break and, you know, all anyone wants to know is, are you going to be on a beach or getting brown
1: envelopes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I can, I can accept a brown do both. on a beach. <laughs> <laughs> you can be
0: on a beach and somebody right. cycles up and says here, Bob. Okay. Let's finish up here just on this <laughs> other big business deal that uh, is up. It's down Stellantis. And uh, we heard that there was a deal, to, you know, to get this company to stay in Windsor. Then no, no, it's not cooked yet. Uh, you know, why is this important? Should we, we be watching this?
1: Well, I mean, it's a really important um, large uh, uh, plant, auto plant um, for uh, electric ve- vehicle battery plant, and um, it's a lot of good jobs in Windsor. the The company got a a uh, billion dollars from Ottawa, and then they. A few uh, uh, earlier this year, and then they saw the the big deal that was given to Volkswagen for 13 billion.
0: (laughs) They said, Okay, (laughs) wait a minute, we just this isn't fair.
1: Yeah, (laughs) so they're back at the table saying, We're going to pull if you don't get some money. And um, so there has been a lot of back and forth going on. And um, the Detroit government is now saying that it it will uh, cover 33 percent of whatever extra money. Uh, Stellantis can get uh, out of the uh, out of the Ottawa an additional s- subsidy. So, how much it is going to be? The plant is like I think it's a uh, it's a five billion dollar uh, mm-hmm. plant. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what how much money is going to be at stake here, but it's going to be significantly more than one billion.
0: Well, I I always like to listen to Doug Ford because he tells you who he's talking to, right? Like, okay, I was on the phone with Christia till 1.30 in the morning and all the other officials, (laughs) oh, I've got the greatest respect for all of them. Uh, And and then he keeps saying, he must have said five times, it's a federal deal, but I'm trying to help them. Like, in other words, I was thinking, is he saying if it blows up, not my fault or what? (laughs) He kept saying it's a federal deal and I'm trying to help them, right? But, yeah, uh, but I mean,
1: I mean, this is a you know, this is a very serious issue when all the amount of money we're, we're yep. providing these oh my God, uh, yeah. battery for battery plants. Yeah, it's a lot of money, and they're doing this. Because they're obviously afraid that these co- companies will just go to the United States. Well, that's because, it. Uh, that's so, it,
0: and that's it. Trying to compete with what it, what the Americans are offering up with the Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, it really puts Canada in a position as a much smaller country with fewer funds to compete with a big giant like that. It's, it's a lot of pressure.
1: It is a lot of pressure and I'm not sure it makes a lot of economic sense, but maybe it does because these are, these are good jobs. And, uh, yeah, this is the future of the auto sector and we want to have those, uh, electric vehicles and built in this country and we want the batteries built in this country. So, um,
0: so you (laughs) yeah.
1: But the, the companies have, have got us, right? They, they right? know that. Like a knife
0: to the throat, right? <laughs>
1: right. <Exactly>. So
0: <clears throat> anyway, I want you to have a great day. I'm looking at your backdrop there. You, you can see the trees <laughs> behind you. It's all good. And uh, we know it's going to be another hot one, probably politically too. Who knows? So have a great day, Bob, and uh, I will talk to you soon.
1: Thank you. Bye, Julie.
0: That's Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for The Globe and Mail. We've got our Prime Minister who's ignored the problem. We've got a Conservative leader who wants to play games with the problem. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators and editorialists are saying today. In the Toronto Star, Martin Reg Kahn argues David Johnson isn't the only casualty of opposition attacks. He writes, David Johnson will continue to be pilloried for an alleged conflict of interest, while we ignore the larger conflict that Canada is facing. His report recounted the lapses and relapses that failed to get action on actionable intelligence. His focus on ferreting out the harm on ordinary Canadians from China and other foreign intruders was worthy. Instead, we are treating Johnson as unworthy, just as some reports cast a couple of Chinese-Canadian politicians as untrustworthy. We fret about fidelity to democracy, yet we wonder why people are losing faith. They say that in war, truth is the first casualty. I worry that in this hyperpartisan climate of character assassination, democracy is also a casualty. In the National Post, Andrew McDougall argues the new laws of digital politics are a disgrace, but they're effective. He writes, according to the old laws of politics, when an opponent is beating himself, you step out of the way and watch him go to town. Why then does Pierre Poilievre watch Justin Trudeau repeatedly self-harm, then choose to dump his own mess on the floor? Welcome to the new digital laws of politics, which says that boring questions about substantive issues don't travel or draw engagement online. What sells online is salacious rumor delivered with a side of snark or full frontal attack delivered full force. In the online world, traffic trumps truth. Sadly, until we reformat the online information economy, we will continue to see politicians play to the algorithm instead of the more analog rhythms of the offline world. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. In Toronto, the Prime Minister will participate in a bilateral meeting with the Prime Minister of Poland, Mateusz Morawiecki. The Prime Minister will then hold a joint media availability with the Prime Minister of Poland. Followed by a luncheon. The Deputy Prime Minister, Christia Freeland, will join the Prime Minister for the meeting and the luncheon. Conservative leader Pierre Poilievre will hold a press conference in Winnipeg. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will canvass with Winnipeg South Centre NDP candidate Julia Riddell. Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Mark Miller will make an infrastructure announcement in Montreal. Also in Montreal, Canadian Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez will host an event to mark the first National Day Against Gun Violence. International Development Minister Harjit Sajjan will make an infrastructure announcement in New Westminster, B.C. Employment Minister Carla Qualtro will be in Victoria, B.C. to announce funding under the Opportunities Fund for Persons with Disabilities. And Labour Minister Seamus O'Regan will make an infrastructure announcement in Mount Pearl, Newfoundland and Labrador. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, June 2nd. Tune into Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.